So I, I you know, I think SaaS is definitely feeling the most pain, but yeah. uh, other parts of the economy, yeah, a little headwinds, but not like we're getting in SaaS. It's really yeah. kind of- I, I agree. Fantastic. I agree with that. I totally feel it. Well, I think that's maybe a good segue. I know, obviously, the, the main reason we're, we're speaking today is, you know, the, this Voices of Enablement series that we're doing really yeah. focused on this, this topic of, you know, is it is it a nice to have or is it a must have, you know, enablement right. in, a, in a, you know, recession? Yes. How, how do we, you know, how do we kind of cut out the noise and focus on the things that matter and, and is enablement part of that? Right. Um, and so, you know, I know you and I spoke a little bit, um, you know, back I guess it's been a couple of weeks now, but yeah. um, you know, what's interesting is there are these organizations that are cutting staff, they're, they're right. hiring freezes and they're, you know, investing in a lot less tech than they were before. And so there's this economic headwind that's kind of keeping organizations from doing the things that they've traditionally done. Right. And so they're, they're cutting back on, you know, support staff and, you know, part of that support staff in a lot of ways is, is enablement. Yes. And so, you know, I'd love to, to kind of talk through, you know, why, what is the value of enablement specifically in a recession and yeah. how, how do you take the the things that enablement is responsible for to really help drive the business forward in, in these difficult times. And so yeah. I appreciate you, you hopping on. Um, definitely want to kind of talk through some, some questions here and, and get your perspective. Okay. Um, okay. You know, you've been doing this for a long time and I think you could really provide some, yeah. some cool insights in this. Um, yeah. So we'll just got a couple yeah. questions and I'd love to, to kind of get your thoughts on it. Does that sound okay, good? Very good. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I kind of had in my mind that uh, we were going to be talking about uh, sales enablement metrics, and I've got a whole deck on metrics, uh, but that's fine. I sort of like the ad hoc uh, discussion, and I, I definitely can, uh, you know, talk about is it a nice to have or is it a, uh, is it a must have? Yeah, uh, so and I, I do. By the way, I want to hear some of those those thoughts on metrics too. I think it's very critical. You know, I talk to a lot of enablers in a bunch of different positions at a bunch of different places, and it is. It's interesting that um, the metrics don't always seem to be consistent. Like the KPIs yeah. that they're measuring don't always seem to be consistent. So I, right. I want you to throw that in there when you can. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think that's very, very uh, important to talk about right. because it, for right. whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be um, consistent across the board. So yeah. for, first question for you. Um, you know, as I think about the the enablement function and their mm -hmm. role, um, yeah. how do you elevate that role in a time where a lot of support staff is getting cut, how do you yeah. elevate that role to the C-suite? Like, how do you, how do you inform the C-suite of, of how, you know, this is a need to have in right. an organization? Yeah. Well, it, it is true. Sales enablement is a force multiplier. Uh, you know, they are, they, they are not the force. They are the multiplier, <laughs> the enablement folks. Uh, and so, you know, what you typically see uh, for a startup, as an example, it's not the first hire that you make. You normally have your sales team in place. Uh, and, and then you add, as you get to, uh, you know, the B or the C stage, uh, that's when you start thinking about adding the force multiplier. Uh, and, you know, I think what a lot of people experienced in 2022 and 2023 is that enablement is viewed as a nice to have when you're growing, but when things get tough, you know, who do you get rid of? Now, you know, my view is I like to use the analogy of a sports team. Uh, a sales enablement person is a coach and in fact is often performing a coaching function. Uh, and, you know, as a, you know, any sports team, the coach is the last person that you get rid of or, you, you know, your coaching staff. Uh, so, uh, you know, 
one of the things that happens with sales teams and small sales teams, including in, in smaller companies, is that you have a lot of lone wolf salespeople who are out there, you know, making hay. And the perception, I think, or the implicit perception is that those folks can continue doing that uh, when things uh, slow down. Uh, whereas, you know, all the goodness of sales enablement, of sharing best practices and learning and identifying where their deficiencies and, and all that stuff, um, you know, sort of goes away or the perception sure. is that, that that isn't such a need. Uh, I think the companies who are really forward thinking are realizing that, hey, look, you don't get rid of your coaches uh, when you hit a losing slump, right? It, it, that's actually maybe the time to really help them do better at their jobs. Uh, and I think that's the right way to be thinking uh, about, um, uh, you know, sales enablement as a function to help sellers uh, do better and help a sales team perform better and relieve some of the pressure on uh, the managers. Oftentimes a VP, you know, for a small company, it's a VP and 10 salespeople. Well, you know, that's just making the VP not very effective. Uh, so, you know, it, it's part of having the staff, you know, to, to, to really help. Now, are there things that sales enablement can do to elevate and highlight their capabilities? I think that's what's really important uh, is to, uh, you know, be able to articulate what is happening differently than what was happening uh, before. And, uh, you know, that can be the challenge. Um, there are some metrics that are, you know, sort of foundational metrics. Uh, the two foundational metrics or sets of metrics that I see are improving ramp time uh, and tracking usage of training and content. Now, mm -hmm. if you're not adding sellers, ramp time is not an issue, right? Yeah. Uh, and the tracking usage of training and content isn't really, you know, a, a particularly strategic metric, right? Um, but what's important is to create the link between the training and the content to the end result of revenue. Uh, and so, you know, as an example of some of the work that I've done in the past, I was uh, the metrics lead for a sales enablement team at Cisco in 2015 and 16. And the first deliverable I created was uh, building a reporting system in Tableau that tracked usage of training and content. Uh, and as we rolled it out, we tied it to some strategic initiatives. We tied it to a product launch, as an example or a particular strategic initiative, which uh, you know, at the time, one of them was attach rate, meaning attaching additional products yeah. to yeah. the initial sale to increase the average deal size and the number of products being sold. Uh, and so you know, being very clear on what the end result was and then showing the leading indicators of how you get to that was really important. So uh, when it came time to, to do that, we were, we were building content and training and packaging it in sets uh, to support a product launch or to support that effort to increase attach rates. Uh, and then we were able to report out to sales management who had signed up, you know, for MBOs uh, to support the product launch and to do this strategic initiative around attach rate to say, hey, you know, in some cases it was only 50% of your team have done this or, hey, you hit the MBO, 90% of your team has taken the training and that's great. Uh, and then take the next step in the case of the product launch of being proactive in reporting what we were seeing in the pipeline around the product launch and the product line uh, to be able to say, hey, we're a quarter out. It's great that your team hit the training metric, but we're seeing that there's not the pipeline there. So, you know, you're working with sales ops uh, to do this, but, you know, it takes the team uh, and being proactive and kind of saying, hey, the leading indicators uh, are really important for you to get on, on track to. And you're not going to hit the number if you, your folks don't know how to uh, do the selling. So getting aligned to what the strategic outcomes are uh, is really important and creating the path of, or, or, you know, creating visibility into the path of how you get to it. That's uh, what I think is really important.
I love that. I love that so much. We could, you and I could geek out on this for, for hours. For sure. <laughs> it's so good. You know, for me, two things really stood out. What you said there though, that I love the, the coaching analogy is really, really good. I think the best yeah. enablers are coaches by nature. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, my manager is like my therapist, right? Where my, my enablement team is my, my coach. And I think that's a really, really good analogy. And you're right. Like who the heck would hi- fire a coach when right. a coach is needed the most in that moment, but it's really, really exactly. good. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing I really set out, which is something that I've been really trying to understand more is this concept of like, how can we find the right metrics to measure to prove my value to the business as an yeah. enabler? Because right. obviously I sell into enablement and I want to help them mm-hmm. formulate those metrics so that they can prove that worth, if you will, to the yeah. business. And it is, it is difficult. And I think, you know, the, the onboarding and reducing ramp time part of it is, is obviously something I see very often, which is, uh, you know, the reason why the majority of enablement leaders that I speak to their first, you know, six months in a business is that's what they're tackling. I want to, yeah. I want to kill, I want to just kill this ramp time down to like 50% of what it's been. Right. And I want to really invest in like, you know, an LMS or some sort of onboarding, um, you know, formal process. And right. then it usually stops there is where I see, and I think you're right. There has to be other things to be able to measure. And I love that you're tying it to new product releases, you know, new attachment rate is a business initiative. I think that's really, really good. Or whatever it might be, you know, right. Another one is deal velocity, like reducing time to close or yeah, you so know, good. whatever the strategic initiative initiative is, it might be yeah. expansion, right. Uh, of existing customers in today's market. Uh, yeah. How does sales enablement get behind that? And then, you know, they, sales enablement can never take full credit, no. but to be able to articulate, Hey, here's what it's going to take. We're doing. The sellers need to know how to engage existing buyers yeah. and what the messaging is and, uh, you know, and, to show the path that you're on uh, via training, via the content being used. Uh, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. I have some, uh, otherwise, you're, <laughs> otherwise you're just doing random acts of enablement, right? That's what we hear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly, you're, not, yeah. you're not tied to this big vision. You're just like knocking out little fires wherever you can yeah. to try yeah. to do something. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I, I um, let me respond to your first comment around coaching. Cause I think there's some yeah. good metrics there yeah. that can also create visibility into how sales enablement is improving performance. Uh, so for me, you know, those baseline capabilities of ramp time and tracking usage, those are baseline. The next set is how do I help sellers get better at selling the yeah. sales efficacy? And, and uh, there's two sets of metrics. They're very tactical, but they can be very impactful. Um, the first is establishing a rating system around sales competencies. You know, this is a coaching rubric. Uh, you create a set of competencies specific to each role. I think they appropriately should differ company to company because, you know, depending on the nature of the sale, it's, it's different. But you know, for an AE, these are things like discovery, uh, uh, meeting management, active listening, negotiation. Uh, and you might, I've, you know, I've seen enablers get down to what are the uh, uh, expected behaviors that support active listening. So reframing back, uh, you know, open questions. So those are the demonstrated behaviors that you want to see. Uh, but it's how you apply the rating system that really can uh, make a difference. And, and uh, you know, my rule as an enabler is for your A sellers, I'm not pushing an, an enablement agenda, right? It ain't broke. Don't fix it. I love but that. what enablement is really trying to do is take your C sellers and make them B sellers and make your B sellers into A sellers. And if you're dealing with somebody who's really underperforming, then, you know, you establish the, the competency rating. Um, you do that with sales management. You apply it. So you assess somebody. Uh, and then you work with them to say, okay, well, here are the areas where you're really struggling. And so let's focus in on that. And if you're able to show that the seller is improving, and if you do that, ultimately they're going to be closing more deals, uh, then 
that's a super appropriate way. The, the objective is not to say, hey, look at the rating system and, and you know the result of it. It is to say, hey, look, I worked with the sales manager and I worked with the C sellers and, and we're starting to see the results of their performance. So that is a really explicit path that you can see. Another one uh, that I've implemented that I think is uh, super powerful also, and it's not that hard to implement, frankly, is a deal scoring mechanism based on a sales methodology. Mm. Now, when you think deal scoring, you think, oh, that's a sales ops, ops function. It's for forecast accuracy, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, I think it's really important that uh, sales enablement, that every company establish a sales methodology, just a common nomenclature. It might be bespoke for your company. Yes. There's a lot of sales methodologies. I don't think there's any one right sales methodology. Uh, it, it's, it's whatever you're able to create and, and or implement and make work for your company. And it's a standard nomenclature. Uh, but if you take, for example, MedPick, uh, you can create a deal scoring mechanism. And I, I'd say, don't, you know, keep it to five questions. And the first one in my mind is what's the implied pain? The I in MedPick is implied pain. Uh, I, I don't think it should be at the end of the acronym. It should be the first thing and it should be P, which is pain, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, the first question in the deal scoring is, does the buyer have the pain that we address, right? And the second question can be, is the economic buyer bought into our proposal, right? So what you're doing is you're creating visibility into whether there really is a deal there, but you are also, by asking these questions, reinforcing methodology. Uh, and then you want the scoring to be very simple. I use a minus one, zero, and one, where okay. if, it's, if the seller doesn't know, it's a minus one. So everything starts as minus one on an opportunity. Uh, if the seller learns and it's bad news, it's a minus one. If it's neutral, it's a zero. And if it's positive, it's a one. Five questions. If you have a four or a five, you can move that deal into commit. So it's a simple way of creating visibility into whether there really is a deal there and reinforcing the methodology. I like that a lot. I, um, you know, it's interesting. My next question was going to be um, really about in, in an economy when you aren't hiring a lot, what is enablement's role? with those, those current reps that are in the business and how do you make those current reps more effective? And I, right. I think you just nailed it. You just basically double down on exactly what you just described. And I think that's really, Absolutely. really good. You know, yeah. we talk about this a lot at GTM Buddy. Most organizations that we see have a, have a revenue curve that looks kind of like this, like a bell curve. And mm -hmm. that vast majority of reps who fall in that, that middle range yeah. are typically below quota, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. just that, but typically below quota. 90, 95%. Yeah, exactly. Right. You have you have you know five or ten percent that are were just bad hires, candidly. Yep. And then you have you know five or ten percent that are gonna crush quota no matter what's going on. Right. Leave the leave those alone. Maybe get rid of these at some point. But yeah. that that middle one, if you can push the revenue curve a little bit to the right, just a little bit, you're talking hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, Absolutely. depending on yeah. the size of your business. Yeah. 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 And I think I think you know that those like B minus C players, if you can move them just a little bit and that's your focus, Absolutely. you're you're, I mean, you're doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is, uh, you know, to be forthright, is for your, that 10% that that's on the low end, you don't want those folks hanging around. Uh, and no. so, the, so the, the, the scoring rating uh, rubric is the mechanism for, you know, like, hey, you're either moving up or yeah. we're getting, we're, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're, you know, yeah. it's time to be offboarded. And, and, you know, part of it is a lot of times the seller, frankly, is just not motivated for whatever reason. You know, it's just not a good fit. And if they're, if you see that somebody's willing to actually try to improve, you know, then you're willing to invest a little more time and, 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 and effort into, but if they're not even willing to try, then it's like, okay, we're done, right? It's time to move on. Uh, so it is a mechanism for offboarding. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put that. That's a really good way to put that. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, in, in a in a climate where, you know, you're not spending a lot of money or you're you're being asked not to spend any money. Yeah. What are some of the things that that enablement can really do aside from the things that you mentioned because those don't cost money, which is, I think is awesome. But what yeah. are some of the things that, that enablement can do for like more of the training parts, right? Like I, I can't go hire, you know, some some outside company to come in and do a full blown, you know, training three day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, extensive. What right. what are some of the things that you've seen done or that you've done yourself that really help move the needle for those reps in, in understanding how to do just sales methodology better, for example? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, so hopefully your sales enabler is somebody who can do training themselves, themselves, okay. like build the decks, yeah. do the presentation, do the follow up, uh, et cetera. But I think also what's really important is having a diagnostic to be able to see where you should focus. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, most methodologies really sort of focus in on the qualification and the discovery, which is appropriate. Right. Um, but there's a lot of stages that follow after that. Um, I think you kind of have to have the qualification and discovery stuff, uh, you know, really nailed down. So that's where the methodologies, I think, really uh, uh, come into play. And so, you know, if you don't have that, that to me is where you should probably start because, you know, you want to be working on deals that have a good chance of closing. And that's what those allow you to do. Um, but let's say that you have that in place, then you say, okay, well, where is our biggest need? And that can be for an individual seller. That can be for the whole team. It can be for individual teams. Um, and this is another metric that I've used in the past. And I don't see a lot of companies who use this metric, uh, which is the conversion rate phase to phase through each stage of the sales process. You know, what you often see is that marketing is, you know, they're looking at their channels and they're measuring conversion rate and it gets to MQL. And then, you know, we did our job. You know, yeah. You, you, and you might see that there's some tracking of, okay, well, what's the percentage of MQL that turned to uh, sales qualified opportunities or sales qualified leads, whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, to me, the marketers, one thing to do is to have marketing own that SQO number, the sales qualified opportunities. Don't have them own the MQL number, have them own the SQ, SQO number. Um, you don't want marketing creating a thousand leads with 5% conversion, you want them creating a hundred leads with 50% conversion, right? So, because then you have a lot more time to work on those, those good leads. But my point is, is that I don't see companies who then measure like, you know, qualify, define, demonstrate, propose, negotiate. Uh, so to be able to measure at each stage, that then becomes the diagnostic of, oh, well, our team is really struggling at the demonstrate phase, right? We're seeing too high uh, or too low a conversion, right? So being able to see, you need some deal flow and some time to to be able to get this. But with that time and data, uh, you can then diagnose where uh, uh, to focus. And then it also is the mechanism by which you can measure ROI, right? So if you, you know, if you want to improve conversion rate at the demonstrate phase, then you know, what's the before and the after, right? You run an enablement program to improve demonstration capabilities. You make the changes, whatever you're working with the SC team, blah, blah, blah. You want to see that it's moving from 20% to 5%, uh, right? And, and if you're not seeing that, you need to do more, et cetera, right? So it is both a diagnostic and uh, uh, a means of measuring ROI. Uh, so it's super, super powerful. I, I'll just tell you, my, uh, I came from a product marketing background. And okay. early in my career, I... Uh, you know, worked for four different companies. The last two were startups. At the last one of those, I was running marketing. And I, that mostly meant it was very early stage SaaS company. And, and uh, it mostly meant it was about demand gen. And it was my first time managing sales development. 
talk about a learning curve. Like I've been in the ivory tower. I was like, yeah. had to actually get on the phone and talk to somebody and manage a team number. doing that, right? And owning a number, it was, it was a big learning curve. Yeah. But you know, what we did was uh, implemented CRM and we learned, hey, you should establish the sales process with these different stages. I mean, we were young and ignorant. And so we didn't <laughs> like, oh, okay, it sounds great. But immediately we're like, oh, well, what we should do is see what's flowing through. So when we run a campaign, you know, where are things falling out? And over the course of three years, we tweaked, we tuned, uh, you know, we added a phase here and there. We, you know, just really refined it, eventually got the company profitable. We knew that if we spent 10 grand on a marketing campaign, we were going to get a handful of opportunities and 40% of those were going to close. Uh, yeah. And so that enabled us to go out and sell the company. Uh, so it's a super powerful mechanism, but it's just not used very much. I don't see it used yeah, very often. It's a, yeah. You yeah. think it's you think it's because it's probably harder to do than well, there's, what yeah. you've been yeah. doing? Yeah, there's two issues with it. One is CRM systems, Salesforce yeah. and Dynamic CRM, they don't automatically capture the data. That's crazy. Yeah, specifically, they do not capture the date when an opportunity enters a new stage. Oh. So you could see a snapshot today, how many deals and what's the value at each stage, but you can't look back and see okay, what was, you know, uh, the value last month or last year, and nor can you see what flowed through. So it's a simple fix to add a date field, you know, a, a stage date field and have it automatically populate. It can be done in the backgrounds. Very simple to do that. Uh, then the other thing, which is the age old problem, is that the, the quality of the data, you know, it's dependent on the sales reps keeping. No, uh, not us. No, we're yeah, really yeah, yeah. good at that. We're really good at that. <laughs> right. Uh, so there's some things that you can do, you know, if you skip stages, for example, then you have the system automatically po populate the previous stage. You know, there, there's things that you do, but but you do want to work with sales management and the sellers to say, hey, look, the more accurate you get, the better we can make this. And by the way, this conversion rate stays to stage. Again, you need some deal flow, but it can be applied to individual reps. Hey, totally. here's where we see you, where, where things are falling out, right? So good. You know, I was just yeah. thinking about it. That, so I've, I've previously sold into e-commerce. And we talked a lot about conversion rate optimization. That's right. that's essentially what it is, is you build a funnel of your yeah. traditional flow for a, a consumer to come onto your site and how many paths do they need to go through in order to convert. Right. And then you start looking at where did they fall off? Where was the drop off? That's yeah. exactly what you're describing. Absolutely. They figured it out a long time ago. And it that, that is like the thing that they will die on a hill trying to solve is how exactly. do we improve our conversion rate optimization? Yeah. Why are we not doing the same thing? I think that's a really good call out. And we do yeah. maybe need yeah. better tools or at yeah. least better visibility. You know, there's tools out there now. I was just speaking with someone yesterday that are doing, you know, a, a lot of like win loss analysis for after yep. after um, deals have have slipped or, or won yeah. or lost. Um, yeah. I think that's important. But they're, I think that identifying those things in the middle is really good. You know what? Maybe yeah. it makes sense. Oh, go ahead. Well, I, just a quick thought that uh, I think some of these uh, uh, analytics tools, Clary, Atrium, um, they capture that that those dates automatically. Uh, yeah. So if you're using them, then I think that information is available. Totally. Yeah, it's good. It makes me think, though. I admit, Tom, how how in how in sync do you have to be with RevOps? A lot of these things you're describing in my mind are so RevOps, right? Kind of blurred line with enablement. I can totally see it. So I feel like in, in organizations in the past, I'm thinking about it right now. They were so separated, similar to like sales and marketing is separated. The the best yeah. companies. Merge them very well. 
the vast majority of companies have them kind of siloed. You have RevOps sitting over there in this corner and you got enablement sitting over there with the sales team. It's like there, there has to be, from what you're describing, I hate to use this yeah. word because it's little used, but the synergy between the two. Absolutely. Alignment. Yeah, I know this is the raison d'etre of GOMO consultant. <laughs> it is to create revenue engines and that's all about having alignment across teams. You know, I used to say that my objective is to create a bridge between marketing and sales, and that's not the right way to be thinking about things. It is yeah. actually to create an engine across all the different functions. It's not marketing and sales. It's product marketing, content marketing, growth yeah. marketing, sales ops or rev ops, sales enablement, sales management. You have to get them all working together. So, so the, the answer to your question is absolutely uh, rev ops or sales ops and sales enablement have to be lockstep. How do you do that is the yeah. hard part. Yeah. And uh, here's one thing that I've seen very effective at you know these, these companies who are really good at going to market, Microsoft, uh, Cisco, VMware. Um, they had cross-functional teams with representation from all the different functions, right? They obviously still report into their functional teams, but yeah. these cross-functional teams, and these were leads, managers, directors, uh, you know, um, and they had ownership of segment performance. So they were, they were you know, cross-functional saying, how are we doing in market? And yeah. what's the performance of, of, you know, what's our market share? Uh, what's our um, uh, market size? Who are our target companies? Um, and, and they had, you know, sort of a cross-functional view scorecard of uh, metrics to really articulate and create visibility into how we're doing in market. And the team owned that. So you didn't have marketers saying, oh, created my MQLs, I'm done, you know, pitch it over the fence. You had your growth marketer sitting with your sales enablement and your RevOps person saying, are we winning in market? <laughs> like, are, are we seeing the trends of some key metrics going up? Uh, and what do we do across the whole process? So silos just is an issue that never seems to go away, but creating visibility into how you're doing in the markets that you're targeting that that is one way to overcome and create teams that meet on a weekly basis. They do readouts to management on a monthly or quarterly basis on segment performance. That's what I've seen to be really effective. Yeah, that's good. I think I think it all it's it's interesting that coming all the way back full circle to this like recession layoff budget cut kind of conversation. A lot of those people are the ones that are unfortunately victims of the the layoffs. They're usually the first yeah. people to go are these supporting yeah. staff. And so what ends up happening is even if you have a good engine a lot of those pieces end up falling victim to these yeah. economic climates. Yeah. And then now it's up to somebody who probably doesn't have any experience doing the thing that that person just got laid off doing right. or was doing and is now going, right. I don't, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I got to carry all of these different responsibilities that I'm not sure really how to manage. So it's, it's tough, right? It, it, it just kind of somewhat, somewhat feels like an impossible task sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I, I mentioned the companies that are really good at this. They also happen to be very successful, very well, you know, a lot of revenue, a lot of resources, yeah. <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, when you're, when you're a B stage startup, you, you can't, you sort of have to pick the things that you're going to uh, uh, really focus on. But, you know, I, I would also say what, again, what we've experienced in 2022 and 2023 with sales enablement, you know, I think losing a lot of jobs, it is reflective that sales enablement hasn't been around that long. You know, True. and and uh, go to market leaders, sales leaders, uh, you know, a lot of them, again, they see enablement as a nice to have when you're growing and, and you know, oh, I'd rather have another salesperson than another sales, than the sales enabler. Uh, and I think that as time goes on, people are going to become more and more aware that 
you know, are you, do you really want to get rid of a coach to have another player as yeah. opposed to making the team of players that you've got more productive with a good coach? Yeah, I, I think that leads me kind of to my last question I was going to ask you, which is, is almost in line with that. If, if you were going into an organization today, as, mm-hmm. let's say as a consultant, okay, yeah. you're going to uh, C-suite. They do not have any enablement in place. Let's say they have 15 reps. Let's say this exact scenario you described. VP of sales in there has 10 to 15 reps. They're not super efficient. So now they're calling on you to come in and kind of help them. Yeah. How would you say to them in nice words? Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I'm obviously happy to help because you're helping me. Yeah. But this is not scalable. You need an enabler. How do you sell them on hiring an enabler and letting yeah. them be autonomous? That's where I see a lot of problems too. It's like, we'll hire somebody, but they have to stick to these like strict things that I want them to do. It's like, they're yeah. not project managers. Like they are enablement. Let them right. enable. How would you how would you sell that to a, to a C suite right now in this economy? Yeah. Uh, well, so again, raison d'etre of Gomo Consulting is about creating go to market alignments, and so we have a diagnostic tool, an assessment tool that looks at everything from what's your go to market strategy, how well is that operationalized, what metrics are you using, who are the roles in place, what's the uh, you know, absolutely critical, are you generating demand, right? <laughs> like yeah. you know. You shouldn't even be hiring salespeople, let alone sales enablement people. True, yeah. generating demand, right? So, uh, you, you know, so you have to sort of get the order of things in place. But uh, if, let's say, that you had a reasonable amount of demand and and uh, a, you know a team in place, it would be to say, let's assess the performance of your sales team. How many people are hitting quota? Let's start there. Uh, you know, um, what's the win rate uh, for your deals? Can you improve the conversion rate? Do you think a salesperson is going to be able to do that across the team? If you're winning 10% of your deals. You know that that's not very good, right? So, uh, so I would you know look at productivity metrics. What what are the win rates? What are the quota uh, attainment or, or you know percentage of people who are hitting quota? A lot of companies uh, are in the situation where you know team of ten people, you got two people who are crushing it, and everybody else is struggling. In that case, you need to say how do you make those eight people okay. out of ten get a little better? Uh, and and it's not hiring an eleventh sub. So, true. Uh, so yeah, just, are, you know, coming in and saying, hey, let's just look at the performance of the team and see how the team is doing. And, uh, you know, it might be that, hey, eight out of 10 are doing great. And so, you know, you've got eight lone wolves who are doing fine. Okay, maybe that's the case. But how often do you see that? Practically Never. zero, right? Um, it's more that you've got a team of 10 and eight are struggling and two are killing it. It's about getting those eight to be more productive. And then you have to be able to articulate how you're going to do that. And, and some of the things that I told you, you know, Make sure that the leading indicators are, are, are working. You know, sellers need to know how to sell what you're selling. They need to be consuming the training and the content. You need to be able to improve sales efficacy. That's the skills and competency rating. Uh, I think having deal scoring is a very simple uh, way that can be very powerful. I think measuring conversion rate isn't a big overhead initiative to, to implement. Um, so those are some things that you can do to, uh, to articulate both where the need is and then uh, what should be done. So good. Tom, this is great. This is, you and I could, again, I'll say it again, we could geek out about this for hours. Um, (laughs) This is, I mean, I will say enablement people, sales manager people, like we're into it, (laughs) you know? Oh yeah. Um, You have to be, you have to be right. You have to be very prescriptive. The good ones are, the good ones are very prescriptive. Um, Well, and and I, I mean, here's what motivates me is uh, I absolutely positively believe enablement absolutely positively impacts the top and the bottom line. Right. Like there's just so much opportunity for productivity and uh, our understanding of how to do it, I think, is, is pretty clear. But it, again, it is about articulating that up yeah. to, to senior management. 
Oh, they have to be given the right resources. They got to be given the right tools to do it. They got to be given the time, right? Like yeah. you don't, you don't hire a coach and give them a year. Right. Say, Oh, well, you didn't do well. Sorry. Right. Like they have to, yeah. they have to be able to implement their own people and their own strategies. And so I think that again, coming back to this, like coaching analogy, I think that's really, really good. Yeah. Um, well, well, Tom, tell everybody, how, how can they find you? What are you up to? Um, yeah. Tell us yeah. a little bit about what's going on. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Tom George. I am principal consultant at GOMO Consulting. We provide consulting services for go-to-market strategy and operations, as well as sales enablement. And our value proposition is that we've got proven methods, models, metrics, uh, processes, et cetera, for creating alignment across go-to-market teams so that you're creating a revenue engine that improves sales productivity, win rates, and you can grow revenue. Uh, and so to find us, you can go to gomo-consulting, g-o-m-o-consulting.com. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, I've also, you know, T. George at, um, in, in uh, LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, George, Tom, George, it was a pleasure. Hey, you're not the first, you're not even the first today. <laughs> you, you just said it. So it was like in my head. Um, it was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Let's, let's, uh, let's do it again. I want to, I want to have other topics to talk about. I think there's such a wealth of knowledge you have in this space yeah. and, uh, your perspective is, is refreshing. I will say there's, right. you know, it's hard to find someone who's so in tune with what's actually happening now and what is probably going to happen in the future. You mentioned, you know, there's, there's this like tide that's kind of changing. It feels like an enablement and yeah. it's hard to predict what's going to happen, but it feels like you have a really good grasp on that. And so I want to, I want to continue, you know, having these conversations with you, I think it's gonna be really interesting for for myself and, and for our viewers, honestly, to just get a sense of, of where, the market is going. I think it's yeah, really yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited uh, about it. I think we're you know, enablement emerged about what 10, 15 years ago, and and it's still early stage. I mean, uh, so uh, a lot of uh, uh, opportunity to improve productivity. It's fun. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Tom, thanks again. We'll um we'll definitely stay in touch, and uh, yep. looking forward to having you on again soon. Thanks very much. Bye.